my parents came to visit. Overall, I would say it was successful. <laughs> I think what helped was that they didn't stay with me, not the whole time. I have an aunt that lives down south, and um, they stayed with her. <laughs> but so did my family as well. So me, my husband, and my son. And I think it was the change of space that helped. Something I realize is that when they visit me in my space, they can never get comfortable. They never know how to act. But somehow, they, it's overwhelming. Even though nothing in particular is happening, it's just the presence is overwhelming. So having a change of scenery for all of us and staying at my aunt's place made it pretty tolerable. <laughs> and I'm not saying <laughs> a visit from my parents is intolerable. It just, it does, it's challenging. It can be challenging. And something that I notice is that when I go visit them, I visit them in my childhood home. I stay in my sister's old bedroom. And that, that's tough. And I'm in my parents' space. And my parents' space is very particular. <laughs> and something that I find is that when I go back to visit them, no matter how old I get or how separate my life has become from theirs, I revert back to old habits and old patterns of who I was when I was living under their roof. And that's stressful. That's not good for me. It's not good for my husband. It's not good for my son to see. And no matter how many times I go back, it's something I feel like it's getting a little easier to deal with because like, honestly, it's just a place to sleep. It's, you know, they are more than welcoming and accommodating to our needs, but it is tough. It's always tough to go back home, especially when such a huge trauma has happened to the family and I am often a glaring reminder to them of that tragedy of Skye's disappearance of them handling it differently than I did and something something about this trip that their that their visit it made me realize something. I often, for years after Skye's disappearance, I had very intense and uncontrollable intrusive thoughts. And if you don't know what intrusive thoughts are, <laughs> um, sometimes it's, it's hard to explain. Basically, it's just like this flood of thoughts and images and feelings that you cannot control. You cannot shut it off. So after my sky's disappearance, I was flooded with grief, uncontrolled grief. 
And it was the idea that everybody around me was dead. I couldn't control these thoughts. And I would have physical reactions to these scenarios that were just made up in my head. It was so overwhelming. And that went on for maybe two years where I just had so much stress and anxiety from just these thoughts that I just couldn't stop. I remember moving out of my parents' house after a year after Sky's disappearance. And driving was a big trigger. It was like this lack of control if I was in the passenger seat. If I was driving, I had a bit more control. But it was this sense of just everything being out of control. I would violently react if another car on the road got too close. I would go and visualize these horrific car crashes that I would, I, I would physically react to. And uh, it was debilitating. It was so debilitating. And it took a long time to kind of get control over that and for them to not play such a role in my everyday life. And after moving out of state and moving pretty far away from my home, my childhood home, I had definitely got more control over that. To the point where most days over the past several years now, I don't have that. I don't have that loss of control of my own thoughts. But I know what triggers it now. <laughs> and unfortunately, it's my parents. I don't know if it's just the stress of them around or, or just... You know, I, I, I guess I can't pinpoint that. But the pattern that I have seen over the years when I visit them or when they visit me is the emergence of the intrusive thoughts where I, if my son gets too close to a window, I go through a complete visualization of something terrible happening and I'm reacting to it. When I was driving my parents to the airport to drop them off, there was a car that felt a little too close on the passenger side where I was like, are they in my blind spot? And all I kept thinking and what I was trying not to react to was somebody was going to pull up, my dad in the passenger seat next to me, somebody was going to pull up and just shoot him in the head, just shoot us all in the head. And I am going through the thoughts of how how do I drive through an accident like this I'm seeing the median to the left of me and I'm like how do I survive this and <laughs> and we went on a whale watch and I'm next to my mom my dad didn't go on this with us because he's really sensitive to motion sickness but the horrors that I'm like 
reacting to in my head about I mean, I, th- <laughs> I think most people might be terrified of the ocean going so far off um, <laughs> the coast. But the things that I am feeling, ah, oh, it's so overwhelming. Like, I don't even want to get into all of the scenarios that go through my head when they're around. <laughs> it's, it's upsetting. It's very upsetting for me and you know what it was it was the that last thought that I was reacting to in the car on the way to the airport to drop them off when I realized I'm like I haven't had these thoughts in a long time and I haven't I, I mean I guess the last time I had them was the last time I saw them and I think it's I think it's all part of the process of when you have a traumatic event, it never leaves you, you know? I think it takes, it may take a lifetime for me to understand fully the depth and the complexity that it has had on my, my mind and my feelings and all of that. And I ha- I am... I, I suppose at a point where I've come to terms with it, um, it doesn't mean it goes away. It just means I'm better prepared and I'm aware of the origins, which is helpful in its own right. Um, but there is a duality, again, with any kind of trauma where I love my parents. I do. I want to see them. But I know what I'm going to be feeling every time I do. And I do also believe that it will get better with time. No matter how, I mean, it's going to take a lifetime. Let's, let's be real. I think I don't, there's no quick fix. I don't think there's any fix <laughs> to a trauma. When the damage is done, it's done. It changes you. And you as that person, have to come to terms with it. You have to accept the new you or else you'll never, you'll never be okay. You have to accept that things have changed and will never go back. I think the only time it does go back (laughs) is when you revisit your childhood home and relive the trauma. But, like, you'll never be who you were before it. So, (sighs) I think that's, you know, in a weird way, I'm looking at it as a success. And it was a successful visit. And it's successful in the fact that I learned something else. That I figured something else out. So that next time I visit them, I'm ready. I'm ready for it. And I think that's great. I think... it's a win it's a fucking win (laughs) okay so other than that the trip was good it was good we went to legoland my son turned five all is good and more good news guys um i had said it on tiktok but 
during my parents' visit, I did receive an email from a detective in Southington who is now on the case. And he had informed me about this new process called FIG. It's Forensic um, Investigative Genealogy. Oh, no. Genealogy something. <laughs> uh, but basically, what I now know a little bit more about it, it is the process. It's the work in checking out um, and uploading the DNA into databases like GEDmatch. And there is another one. Uh, the name is escaping me. I should be more prepared with this, guys, right? <laughs> but basically, it's just another database for the family DNA to be uploaded to so that there is um, a new avenue to check for DNA profiles and matches, like potential matches that, you know, may help us in Sky's case. And that is a win. That is, I'm so, I'm pumped about that. And I have uploaded my DNA to GEDmatch. I did that a while ago, but my parents, they're going to now do, um, they have to get 23andMe, and then we can upload more info and let the detective know. As you know, I hope you know, <laughs> um, I've stated in the last podcast and on TikTok that the Interpol results were back from iFamilia and there had been no DNA matches to Sky. So, again, any news is good news. And I'm thankful for that. <sighs> what else? I think that might be it, guys. Another short episode, which is good. Because I talk about some, like, fucked up shit here. <laughs> it's good to keep it short. <laughs> Makes me feel good. I feel great sharing this. Um, because... Yeah, just knowing that my listeners take an interest in Sky's case and my healing journey, I guess, <laughs> um, it means the world to me. I have had an outpouring of support lately. I had recently done a video with Unfiltered Stories, and you can find that on Facebook and YouTube. It might be somewhere else. And that has reached a whole new audience. So if you guys are new here from seeing that video, welcome. I am so happy to have you here. And I'm so happy to share this story um, of Sky's, Sky's story and my story and my family's story. It, I just want to open this up to a larger audience because in this journey, I've realized that there are so many other people out there who, who have similar events, who have been through similar events and have similar feelings. And the people that have reached out to me, like, I feel like they, I feel seen and I feel they, they feel seen. And it's been, it's been so good. It has been so, so good. Um, so let me not ramble on anymore. <laughs> Just know that I, I appreciate each and every one of you. And this has been Therapy Notes.
session seven.